You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Aaron Ricabo uses Galatians 4 verses 1 to 7 to establish a biblical foundation for Jesus Christ being our Savior and Redeemer. Well, good morning, everyone. Now, before I start today, I just want to ask, how many of you guys have seen this statue before? Or do you know what this statue is? Yes, exactly. It's Christ the Redeemer, which definitely fits in today's message. And as I was starting this preaching, I was looking into this statue, and I found some quick little fun facts uh, about this statue. So, yes, it is uh, located in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and it took nine years to construct this statue from 1922 to 1931. And it cost an equivalent of $4.1 billion, apparently, in today's money, to build. So it's a, quite a monument. Now, what was also interesting for me was this statue was actually built for two reasons. The first reason was to commemorate Brazil's centenary of independence, and as well as symbolizing their faith. And that's one thing I really loved. They spent all this time, all this money to create this magnificent Christian statue, right? And it's just awesome to see that it's this reminder of what Christ did for us, which was redeeming us from our sin. And now that brings us to today's reading and today's topic, which is Jesus the Redeemer, Rediscovering Christmas. So if you would like to open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, our reading comes from verse 1 to 7. Now, as always, we read from the ESV as well. So let's read. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's quickly pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just pray that you may open our minds, our hearts, and our ears, that you may ready us to receive today's message. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Great, so let's kind of unpack this. Let's unpack Jesus as the Redeemer. So there's a, you know, the quick who, what, why, but what does this mean to be redeemed, and why do we need to be redeemed? And to understand this, we need to understand what we were redeemed from. And as verse 5 says, clearly it just stated we were to be redeemed from those who were under the law. So that answers the first question, which is we are redeemed from the law. Now, let's first understand what exactly is the law. Now, the law is, you know, the, when we go all the way back to the Old Testament, it's the law that was given to Moses. And the law can actually be divided into three primary categories. Number one, you have your civil law. Now, your civil laws, these were the laws designed to regulate daily life in ancient Israel. They included laws about property rights, marriage, and divorce standards, and laws sanctioning theft, murder, and other crimes. You also have your ceremonial laws. 
These were laws meant to help the Israelites make sense of their relationship with God. It was to help them to worship God properly, because yes, there is a correct way to worship the Lord. And within these laws included instructions that define the sacrificial system, the festivals, the roles of the Levites, and the specific physical features of the tabernacle. And finally, we have the moral laws. These were the laws that deal with the issue of right and wrong. And again, all these laws are based on God's character and it's based on his standard. Now, within the moral laws, you get your Ten Commandments as well. Now, it's important to realize the purpose of the law. And the purpose of the law was not to save people from their sin. Rather, it was to reveal people of their sin. It was a way for us to define what sin is. And it is a way to truly show us how evil we are. And ultimately, it points us to the need of a savior and points us to Christ. And it's important as well that the law doesn't save us, uh, doesn't give us salvation. In fact, in Galatians 3.10, we are told, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and to do them. So the law brings a curse on those who do not obey it perfectly. And simply what that curse is, is death. Wages of sin is death, right? And not only just your physical death, I want to highlight it's the second death, which is eternal separation from God, which is hell. Now, I want to spend just a little bit of time unpacking the law, just so we get a bit more of appreciation what the law is and why we need to be redeemed of it. So think of this as a bit of a self-reflection activity. Now, I'm not going to go through the ceremonial laws or the civil laws. Rather, I'll just look at the moral laws. And in particular, I'll look at the Ten Commandments. Now, I want you guys to read these Ten Commandments and ask yourself, how many times have I broken these laws? Not if you've broken them, but how many times have you? Because we all know we aren't perfect. And in fact, I'm sure each and every one of us has broken each of these laws today. And if you try to get out of it, Romans 3.10 tells us, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one seeks for God. So even if you said, well, you know, I've completed all the commandments, the very first commandment is putting God first. And the Bible already tells us nobody seeks for God. And you know, when I was a, a much younger, when I was a, more of a naive child, I used to go around uh, at school, I went to a Christian school, by the way, and be like, hey, you know what, I've actually, uh, there's some commandments I haven't broken. You know, I haven't broken the fifth commandment. I've always honored my parents. I can tell you right now, I definitely haven't. But I would do this in a way as for me to say, I may have broken these other laws, but I mean, God, look at me, I've kept these laws, right? Now, if you're in that same boat, if you have that sort of mind, James chapter 2, verse 10 tells us, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point is guilty of it all. Meaning, it doesn't matter if you've kept nine of the Ten Commandments, breaking one means you have broken them all. So church, we are sinners. And I think that's something that we all know, that we are all aware about. But you know, something, when I was uh, thinking about this, the word sinner has definitely lost its impact, I feel. I mean, I can call other people sinners. Uh, when I try to preach the gospel to my non-believing friends, you know, I tell them, oh, you're a sinner, you've got to repent of your sins. They'll just be like, 
cool, I'm a sinner, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's almost a tongue-in-cheek adjective. But it is so important for us to understand the impact of our sin, and also it's so important for non-believers as well when we preach the gospel for them to understand impact of sin so that it will bring forth a contrite heart of repentance. And it will give them this godly sorrow. It will uh, lead them to the need of a savior and it will lead them to Christ. Now, I was talking about this self-reflection activity. We're not done with that one just yet. Because whenever we break the law, there is a specific uh, sin, I guess we can say, that we commit. We aren't just sinners, but when we break commands one, two, and four, we are idolaters because we have put something in front of God. When we break commandment three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That makes us blasphemers. When we don't honor our father and our mothers, we are disrespectful. Number six is an interesting run, right? If we break this one, it makes you a murderer. Now, I'm sure some of us think, well, that's okay. I haven't done that one, right? But Jesus has elevated this bar. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 22, it reads, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I mean, how many of us driving here today may have gone cut off or had a bit of that road rage? You know, I'm sure we've uh, definitely experienced that. But to God, that makes us a murderer, a murderer at heart. In commandment seven, you shall not commit adultery. It makes us sexually immoral and makes us an adulterer. And again, in this one as well, Christ elevated this. He says, in Matthew 5, verse 28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So there's no getting away from it. If you break number eight, you are a thief. You break number nine, you are a liar. And if you break commandment 10, you shall not covet, makes you a coveter. Now, just to quickly define what coveting is, it's essentially envy, but at a whole other level. So it's envious on steroids, essentially. Now, when we look at these laws, it makes us more than just sinners. In fact, when God sees us through his law, he sees us as this. He sees you as an idolater. He sees you as a blasphemer, as disrespectful, as a murderer, as an adulterer at heart, as a thief, as a liar, and as a coveter. So, that makes your sin a lot more impactful. It makes it a lot more weighty, doesn't it? It's not just being called a sinner anymore. It's being called these things. Now, it's good to have these things. It's good to be given the law seen this way because it will produce a godly sorrow. Again, it will produce this contrite heart of repentance. But today I'm not here to try guilt trip anyone because, you know, as Christians, we are justified through Christ. We are no longer under this law. But if for some reason you have this little sense of guilt in you today, if you have this little voice gnawing at you, telling you, hey, you are these things and you aren't right with God, don't dismiss that feeling because this might be the Holy Spirit convicting you today 
telling you to get right with God today, telling you to place your saving faith in Him. Now, before I move on, I just want to say it makes sense that when we are under the law means that we are under condemnation. We break the law, which means there is a consequence to be paid. And we have to understand this. These are divine laws, which means a divine punishment is required. So when we see it like this, hell makes a lot more sense for when we break these laws. So now that we get a better understanding of what the law is, now hopefully we understand or get a better appreciation of why we need to be redeemed from it. And to be redeemed from it is through Jesus himself. We are pointed towards him to be saved from being under the law. And again, in verse 5, it gives us why. So Jesus came so he would redeem us. Meaning that we will no longer be under the law, but under grace. If we place our saving faith in Christ. If we accepted that he took the punishment on our behalf and acknowledged that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So, let's look at redemption now. And what does it mean to be redeemed? Redemption is the idea of being bought back, paying a price or ransom to return something to your possession. And this is exactly what Christ did for us. And one thing to be reminded of is that we have to understand mankind wasn't part of God's family to begin with. Due to original sin, mankind was born into sin. We were born separated from God. And it's also important to realize not everybody is God's children. Sure, we, every single person is his creation, but we weren't his spiritual children before. Therefore, we cannot lay claim to the promises and inheritance of God that is, eternal life. Now, for some of us, we were under the law, or perhaps some of us still are under the law. But I just want to remind us that Jesus was able to redeem us from our sinful state. And not only was he able to redeem us, he was the only one with the authority to redeem mankind. And how did he do this? Well, he did it through the cross. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the King for all. Jesus, the God-man. Jesus, the Redeemer. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Remember, this is the curse that we all should have paid. This is the curse that is death. This is the curse that is God's righteous punishment for sin. Jesus took on for himself. And as we've learned throughout this series, we've learned that Jesus being fully man means that he was the perfect sacrifice. We've learned also that Jesus being fully God, he has the divine authority to redeem humanity from our sin conquer death, and reconcile us with God. Through Christ, we are redeemed from the curse of the law, 
and to be under grace instead. And as verse 7 of today's reading says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So church, remember, we are no longer slaves, but now heirs to promise. We are now children of God. And being spiritual children of God through Christ's redemptions, we are given promises. Number one, we are justified by through the blood of Jesus. As heirs to the spiritual blessings that accompanied the Abrahamic covenant, we are now justified by faith. We have a relationship with God now. The creator, the creator of all things, we have a direct relationship with. We can call him father. And we can freely speak to him. We can pray to him. We can ask him for anything as well. But though we can ask him for anything, he will always answer us. But just remember, sometimes the answer is no or not yet. As children of God, we have God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He is our moral compass in life. He directs us in everything that we should do. And having the Holy Spirit means that we can understand the Bible in a deeper spiritual level. And, you know, whenever you open your Bible, whenever you read the Word, uh, I encourage you to pray. Because reading the Bible isn't just a physical activity, it's a spiritual activity as well. When you pray, pray that the Spirit reveals things to you. So you will learn at a deeper level. As children of God as well, we have become new creations. Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our past sins are forgotten, and we have become new. And of course, as children of God, we are now given the inheritance that is eternal life with him. No longer do we need to pay for our sins as Christ has already paid it for us. Now, as I close today's message, as I close this Christmas series, and as I close uh, this year's service, I have one question to ask yourself, and that is, are you redeemed? Have you been redeemed from the law? Now, I'm sure many of you recognize this type of message. Today was a gospel message, which is pretty much the Christmas message, right? Christ coming down to redeem us from our sin. And I'm sure many of you already have heard this message. And, you know, I want to say it's never a bad thing to hear the gospel time and time again. And, you know, when I first heard the gospel, I was... Uh, very young. I was probably the age of my little nephew Noah when I first heard it. And I would hear it throughout my life time and time again through other people or through the things I read. And, you know, in my high school days, I would often end up dismissing the gospel because I would vainly think to myself, I've heard this. I already know all this. I don't need to hear this again. But you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that the gospel never was never stopped preached to me because it wasn't until my university years when I was truly saved, when I was truly repentant of my sin. So I just want to remind us and encourage us, never grow old of hearing this message. Be grateful of the gospel, even if you've heard it a thousand times before, because we must remember it was through the gospel that we found out we have a God that loves us 
very much. We have a God who cares enough to redeem us from our filthy sin by taking the punishment on for himself. Now, as I close this uh, preaching today, I don't do this uh, often. In fact, this is probably the first time I've done it um, ever, but uh, I was really torn to do this because honestly, I don't really, uh, I guess I may not agree with doing this, um, but honestly, I felt the Spirit really just tell me no, do this in today's preaching. But if I could just ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. Now, I know for many of you, you already have accepted Christ in your life, but if it is your first time to consider it, or maybe you're in this boat where you just keep on pushing back, putting your true saving faith in Christ, I ask you, I I invite you to think about the gospel. Think about this message. And if you want to give your life to Christ by placing your saving faith in him, I ask you to raise your hand. And if you don't feel comfortable to raise your hand, that's okay. Leave it down and just pray in your heart. Now, for those who want to place their trust in Jesus, I just ask that you follow this prayer, either quietly or aloud. But before I say it, just understand this. The prayer, the words that you say, it's not what saves you, but your faith in Christ that will. We understand that our good works cannot save us from the punishment of our sin. We understand that Christ took the punishment for us instead, and that in three days, God raised him from the dead. So if you're in this boat, just follow this prayer. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I've been disobedient and I've broken your commands, your laws. Lord, I understand that there is nothing I can do, that there are no amounts of good works that I can do to save me from my sin, to save me from the curse of the law. Please, Lord, forgive me and have mercy on me for my sins. And today, I repent of my sinful actions and thoughts. Today, I humbly place my faith in Jesus Christ and that through his death and resurrection on the cross, he took my guilt, he took my sin, he redeemed me from the curse of the law. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Now, if you're in that boat, if you prayed this prayer today, if you placed your faith in Christ, rejoice. For you are now a child of God. And rejoice because the Bible tells us that even when a single sinner comes to repentance, the heavens rejoice. And if you're wondering, well, what now? What do I do? There's a few things. Number one, continue to read your Bible. And if you don't have one, get one. And we can help you with that. Number two is keep coming to church. Now, it doesn't have to be this church but we encourage you to just continue to attend a Bible-believing church. And you might be shy to approach or volunteer, uh, but we can help you. We can help you, guide you in the next steps of being a Christian. So now let's close with a final prayer today. Father, as we move towards Christmas Day, I pray that we remember the true meaning of Christmas. Let us not be tempted or swayed with, the wor- with what the world teaches us about this festive season, but ground us in you so that we may never forget. That is, 2,000 years ago, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sin, to adopt us to your family, to give us eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for loving us and making a way so that we can have a relationship with you.
in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, church, thank you for coming here today. Thank you for being here at the very last um, uh, service for 2023. And now we hope that you have a wonderful Christmas and New Year. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every Saturday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungahlin. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.